Welcome to the Saudi Maritime Congress podcast. In this series of podcasts, we'll be talking in depth to several prominent leaders, each of whom influenced the business landscape of Saudi Arabia's maritime and logistics sectors. In this episode, we hear from International Maritime Industries, or IMI, a strategic partner of the Saudi Maritime Congress and key player in the growth of the maritime sector in the kingdom. Sea Trade Chairman Chris Heyman caught up with IMI Business Development Vice President Julian Panter to better understand the unprecedented scale and opportunity presented by the IMI project, covering multiple subjects from an engineering, commercial and educational perspective. Don't forget, if you're interested in finding out more about the Saudi Maritime Congress and the maritime and logistics sectors in Saudi Arabia, register online to receive regular information and updates at SaudiMaritimeCongress.com. For this podcast episode, Chris and Julian spoke via video call in August 2020, so let's listen in on that conversation, starting with the voice of Sea Trade Chairman Chris Heyman. It's a real pleasure to welcome our guest for this podcast, Julian Panter. Julian is Business Development Vice President for Saudi Arabia's International Maritime Industries, IMI, and has been very much involved in the development of the project since its inception. So welcome to you, Julian. Thank you. And uh, let me start by asking you to give us some flavor of the scale and extent of this project, which we understand will be the largest full-service maritime hub in the Middle East and North Africa. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I think this is the, um, if I'm not mistaken, the first in a series of podcasts, and I appreciate you um, giving me the chance to talk about IMI. So thank you very much to Sea Trade and yourself, Chris. Um, the project has been a few years in the making now. I actually came over to Saudi about four years ago, virtually at the start of the uh, the project's inception. And IMI is a is a joint venture between four partners, Saudi Aramco, who are a 40.1% shareholder, Bari, uh, 19.9%, Lamprel are a 20% uh, shareholder, and HHI, Hyundai Heavy Industries, uh, further 20%. So some big industry powerhouses you know, got involved with the project. IMI is the anchor facility within the King Salman complex. Um, King Salman complex is 11 million square metres on the east coast of Saudi uh, in a place called Ras al-Khair. And IMI is um, essentially, it's we're, we're split into four zones. Um, so you have the zone D, which is the rig building zone, zone C, which is the shipbuilding zone, uh, zone B is OSBs, and zone A is uh, the MRO facility. And the intent is to offer uh, a really diverse mix of products, to clients, not just locally, but globally. Um, capacities are huge, actually, Chris. We, we can do four rigs a year, four new build rigs. We can do 18 large vessels, product carriers, chemical carriers, VLCCs, 25 OSV new builds, and probably up to about 250 MRO projects. So the shipyard's going to be quite busy, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very, very exciting project aligned to Vision 2030. There's obviously uh, an element of alignment to the King's uh, vision to train and develop Saudi nationals and really bring a, a new, new revenue stream to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, it's been a very exciting uh, time for me. Um, and I think um, as we move towards 2021, 
uh, we should be becoming operational um, and moving up to the uh, the facility. So yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Julian, looking ahead uh, with some very powerful uh, shareholders, presumably you start off life with an extensive uh, order book for own account. Could you just give us an idea of, of the extent of that order book and what level of uh, employment that provides as a prospect for the yard going forward? Yeah, we, I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty unique in many respects. Not many new businesses get to start from scratch with, with an order book. Um, you know, you have to kind of speculate to accumulate. IMI, we're, as you've alluded to, very lucky to have Aramco as a, a majority shareholder. They have a joint venture with uh, a rig operator and the joint venture is, is called Arrow. Arrow have pledged to uh, build 20 of their rigs with IMI. We signed a, an offtake agreement to build those rigs over a 10-year period. First two rigs we're actually building with Lamprell in their Hamrea facility, and then rigs uh, 3 to 20 will be built in the uh, Russell Care facility in zone, um, in zone D. And then we have another partner, Bahri, and we are building just over 50 vessels for Bahri. So yeah, we, 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 we are very lucky um, to have a guaranteed offtake. There is, you know, best part of 62, 63 new build projects to to, to build. Now, what that does for us is it gives us a chance to build a reputation. Um, it, it's a chance for us to build a track record, um, build capabilities, and also attract supply chain. You know, if supply chain companies are coming into the region and they understand that there's already an order book there, it, it, it makes it makes their entry into the kingdom a lot more palatable than if we were building a big shipyard and we had nothing. Now, the other opportunities we have being here in, in Saudi and having a partner or a shareholder like Ramco, we we also will be able to leverage some other work with Ramco's uh, contractors, for example, some of the OSV contractors. Uh, Bari also have a fleet of about 100 vessels, so we, we have the opportunity to do some of their refurbishment work. Um, and Arrow already have existing rigs, um, so we get to do their refurbishment work. But whilst obviously a lot of that is not in a, in a guaranteed offtake, you know, we, we would hope to be in a position to uh, leverage further work um, on the periphery of the offtake. So it's very exciting, very exciting to have, have this, this work available to us. Absolutely. Clearly, at a time when the world's shipyards are uh, looking around uh, for uh, expanding their order books, you're in a very, very enviable uh, position in this regard. So far as the Bakri orders are concerned, presumably this includes a number of VLCCs, but as Bahri diversifies its fleet, tell us a bit more about the range of vessel types that you'll be building for them. Yeah, we, we, I mean, look, we, we expect to do, I think, about 15 VLCCs over a 10-year period with Bahri. Um, but as you've alluded to there, Chris, we we are very well aware that Bari do operate a uh, diverse fleet and we would be also building for them product carriers, bulk carriers, chemical carriers. We we want to be a one-stop shop for Bari's fleet expansion plans. And really, we will work with Bari as our client. We're building the facility in Russell Care to cater for their every need. So we, we're, we're fully expecting to uh, build a a really diverse range of vessels for Bahri and also do their refurbishment work as well. I understand that in the VLCC 
construction program, the first vessel, before you start building on the Saudi side, will be a, a vessel purchase agreement, uh, which you signed with one of your shareholders, uh, Hyundai Heavy Industries, uh, for the ship to be built in uh, South Korea. Can you tell us something about that program and how it's likely to work? We started the two, the, the offtake rig program. We're starting to build the first two rigs for Arrow in uh, Hamria with Lamprell. And we also signed the first VLCC in the offtake agreement for Bari, uh, which we're going to be building with uh, our technical partners, Hyundai in Korea. And really, both of, I mean, the decision we made to uh, subcontract the building of those rigs and the VLCC to our respective technical partners was was a decision um, based on on being able to build capabilities before we we then came to the facility in Saudi. We we know Lamprella are an excellent rig builder, and we know that obviously HHI's credentials speak for themselves. I mean, arguably the biggest shipbuilder in the world. So, what better place for a lot of our uh, new to industry Saudi nationals to go and learn their trade. As you um, might be aware, we, we we are committed to training a lot of Saudi high school leavers in an apprenticeship program. We'll be training probably seven to 800 uh, high school leavers every year through the Maritime Academy. And the platform that these apprentices have to learn their skills on the job in an actual shipyard both in Hamria with Lamprell and also in Olsan with HHI was an opportunity that we just couldn't miss. And our partners, uh, Hyundai and Lamprell, were, were, were very kind to allow us to go and subcontract these projects to them. And we're going to use them as, a, as an opportunity to build our capabilities, build our track record. We are sending engineers, uh, apprentices, uh, projects teams, over to Hamria and Ulsan respectively to to obviously learn on the job. Um, so when we go to Russell Care, we have a team of employees in IMI that are used to working on these projects, which is excellent. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, I'm sure. Looking at the timetable, Julian, now, I mean, I remember you telling me on my last visit uh, that the plan is for zone D for the rig building facility uh, to be ready uh, to start work later on this year and that the shipbuilding program in zone C uh, is scheduled to begin next year. Is that still the case? I mean, has uh, you know, the, the pandemic affected the timetable for your startup or are you expecting to be pretty much on schedule? I suppose we're, we're all dealing with huge uncertainty at the moment with this awful coronavirus pandemic. Um, at this stage, reports we're getting from Saudi Aramco, who are the project management, uh, they have a project management team up in Russell Care um, on site. And the reports we're getting from them at this stage would suggest that we're still on track. Um, we're still on schedule, which is great news. Uh, zone B, uh, sorry, Zone D is the first zone to come on online, as you say. Um, and we were expecting probably by the end of this year, early next year, and then Zone C later in 2021. Um, we're very much gearing up for those dates. Um, I think it would be remiss of us not to challenge ourselves to be prepared for, for these dates. And as yet, 
that's what we're thinking. But I don't know. Let's let's wait and see. The world is a very uncertain place at the moment, as we all know. And um, I think you know it's difficult to to, to 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 say for sure. But the plan is to build rigs three and four in in Russell Care um, early in twenty one, and then we start the shipbuilding program um, probably later in twenty one. And that's what we're preparing for. So fingers crossed. Um, looking further ahead, I mean, you talked about the existing order book that you start off with. Uh, you begin your your uh, business uh, with a fantastically strong position. But are you, in addition, going to be looking for third-party contracts? And if so, in what particular areas? And I'm talking in particular about uh, commercial shipbuilding. Yeah, I mean... It- I think you know, it's, it's difficult probably to quantify the size of this shipyard. Um, I mean, I've been up to see it a few times and, and the space is just vast. It's just a vast expanse of shipyard. And even with the guaranteed order book, the offtake, as we say, it's still probably 60% of the shipyard needs to be filled with, with external work. Um, so, yes, we are in a good position with Arrow. We are in a good position with Bari. We obviously can leverage, hopefully, some of the work that that maybe we can use a Ramco um, to get. You know, it's it's just so such a big shipyard. Um, I mean, five million square meters, nine kilometers of quayside. Um, so we are looking at other regional rig uh, contractors. Obviously, the OSV operators. Most of the shipping customers are probably European. Probably they probably tend to go to places like Korea and China and Japan to build their their current fleet expand their fleet size um, so we need to try and attract customers from there and i guess the only way we're going to do that is is by by proving that we're good by proving that we can build uh, in a commercially competitive manner proving that we can build um, on time proving that we can build safely and using our existing order book of offtake to leverage work from external customers that it's not guaranteed I mean, there's nothing to say that external customers should come and use IMR. Yes, we have a wonderful facility. Yes, we're going to be probably one of the most technologically advanced shipyards in the world. Um, But there's no guarantee that we're going to attract customers outside the offtake unless we're good unless we we prove ourselves and could compete on price well that's that, that's definitely i mean that's 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 what a lot of customers want right i mean we we think there's probably more to it than just a a one off you know let's build a ship at, at the cheapest possible price i think we we're looking at other factors so, you know, obviously we we want to make sure that we're we're building ships on time that we're building uh, ships uh, that are commercially competitive we're building ships safely but we also want to offer the customers something a bit different. Um, we have a shipyard that's capable of MRO work and we have a shipyard that's capable of new build work. So there's really an opportunity to manage the life of a ship from the first bit of steel that's cut till the till the end of that ship's life expectancy. So we want to try and integrate some technology into the build process, look at remote monitoring and censoring and, and, and see if we can offer the customers something beyond the actual uh, new build process into the actual maintenance and life cycle of the actual asset. So how can we kind of flip the script when it comes to MRO work? Uh, a lot of ships, a lot of rigs, a lot of OSVs, they, they they kind of get their maintenance work done on a time basis rather than a condition basis because it's very difficult to monitor what is happening with a ship. Now, if we're managing that asset through the life cycle, 
and we're using monitoring and technology, then then presumably we can try and also add value beyond the actual building of, a, of an asset. And that's really what we want to try and do: in, embrace technology and work with a with a with a ship a ship owner for twenty years or twenty five years, rather than just like the build period of eighteen months, for example. Yes, we need to ultimately be very competitive commercially, but I think there's other ways of adding value to a, a ship o- o- operator and owner than simply just a very cheap building price. So far as vessel types are concerned, I mean, looking further ahead, can you see the possibility of IMI being a builder of uh, large container ships, of gas carriers, and a full range of vessel types, uh, such as some of your Asian competitors are currently doing successfully yeah i mean the, the facility set up for that i mean there, there's no i mean apart from probably the really ex- extremely large size ship you know I, I don't think there's anything we can't really do and, and and the way we've been conditioned in imi is to really think outside the box the business plan that we had four years ago is it has evolved tremendously i mean we, we'd like to think we can st- look at doing some LNG work, um, obviously any type of, of, of vessel, uh, VLCCs, bulk carriers, chemical, there's certainly no type of OSV we can't build. I doubt we'll get much demand for icebreakers, but apart from that, I think we can we can build pretty much anything, rigs. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the shipyard has no real limitations. You know, you look at some regional shipyards and they, they have you know, access problems, size restrictions in terms of the size of dry docks and ship lifts and all that kind of stuff. In IMI, the shipyard's being built to be a mega facility. And I don't think we should turn our back on any type of, of work that's kind of within that sort of realm of core business, um, shipbuilding, OSVs, rigs. Um, yeah, we're, we're open to it. We have a blank, we have a blank canvas, really. And I think we should, we should try and think outside the box and not limit ourselves on the type of product we build. So that that's another reason why it's exciting. It, you know, nothing's set in stone here. The goalposts are kind of moving all the time and that makes it very exciting. Makes it a challenge, of course, um, but, you know, life's a bit boring without a challenge. For sure. Listening to what you just said, Julian, I mean, it goes without saying that IMI represents a major opportunity for the marine equipment supply sector. And I wondered uh, if you could tell us a little bit about what IMI will be looking for from its supplier relationships and also what they can expect from uh, the challenges or the opportunities or requirements of doing business in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. To be honest, one of the value propositions that we we hold dear to our philosophy here in, in, in IMI is that ability to engage with industry stakeholders and the supply suppliers i mean the shipyard is going to be nothing without um, easy accessibility to supply chain we want to have as many supply chain companies on site in the king salmon complex and that's why we've built a offshore supply chain cluster uh, within the king salmon complex which will be a purpose-built area that supply chain can come and set up in we're trying to make that easier by engaging with the Saudi government to build a special economic zone within the King Salman complex, which gives suppliers a more palatable value proposition when it comes to things like visas, taxes, administrative uh, headache and burden. And I think, you know, as I said before, that the supply chain 
now if you come into if you come into a new part of the world and you you're setting up and we all know that there's costs involved you've got to send people and set up the business and registrations and all that sort of stuff and and it's kind of like on the basis that there isn't any guaranteed work once you get there then i can understand why it's a bit of a head scratcher but i think in imi we've got a bit of a unique we're in a unique situation whereby we have all this offtake work that's 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 already been guaranteed so if you're coming in and you're uh, a supply chain company or a supplier then I think there's a there's a very interesting opportunity there for for you, and we want to try and make it as easy for supply chain as we can. We realise that we have to work with supply chain companies as an equal business partner. We we have to make their lives easy when they come to Saudi. You know, we have to make sure that you know a lot of the the really difficult. Um, processes are eliminated I, I think we've got a lot of work to do in this area and we're only going to do it by engaging with the supply chain and hearing what would make their lives easy that's why we want to be involved with the saudi maritime congress we want to host a q a with the suppliers to um, to engage with them and understand what it is that they would want from imi and the king salmon complex in order to make it palatable for them to come into Saudi because like I said before Chris we're, we're, we're nothing without the supply chain and part of the value proposition that we can offer our customers is, is is quick and easy access to supply chain whether it's on a new building project or it's because a operator wants to bring their asset into our shipyard and they need easy access to a supply chain company uh, for repair so I, I think you know supply chain is arguably the most important factor in our success and we've got to make it easy clearly as you say the next saudi maritime congress which will take place uh, next year in 2021 with a date to be announced quite soon uh, will be a fantastic opportunity for suppliers to talk directly to imi just uh, in a in a in a sentence uh, julian what would be your message to those in the supply chain, major suppliers that have not yet made contact with IMI, what what would you uh, like to say to them at this stage? Um, I think for me, I, I, I'd like to just um, talk with the supply chain companies that haven't already been in touch, and actually the, the supply chain companies that have been in touch, because you know I've been fortunate enough over the last four years to attend numerous events and industry conferences, uh, receptions. And I think that coming to Saudi for a lot of these supply chain companies, you know, it ha they have their apprehension about doing it because of the perceived barriers to entry. Now, I'm aware of some of those issues and so are the supply chain team and the CEO and and, and the senior vice president of, of uh, technical services. But we need to fully engage with supply chain companies to understand how we can mitigate some of those challenges and overcome them. So access to the kingdom and access to this wonderful facility and access to the potential work that exists for these supply chain companies is made easier. You know, I think unless we can engage with these customers then and they're not afraid to come and talk with us, we can't mitigate the problems. Because I, I, you know, we're not we're not naive. We know that there's some, you know, potential, you know, apprehension of, of coming here. But I personally, having been here now for four years, I think that the kingdom's doing all it can at the moment 
to try and remove some of those barriers. You know, I'm, I'm not going to oversell it. I just think we just need to work together as partners and we need to try and overcome obstacles together. And I think if we can do that, we can create a really good ecosystem for those supply chain companies to really do well in Saudi over many decades because this facility's world class. There's no doubt about it. You know, everything's available for this this shipyard to do incredibly well on the global stage. And if I was a supply chain company, I'd want to be involved with IMI and the King Salmon Complex. And I think if I also knew that IMI and the King Salmon Complex was going to make my life easier, then it would make it all the more appealing to me. So I think it's just a question of engaging, Chris. I think it's engage, a, a, a case of talking and working with supply chain companies on a partnership level. So I, I just encourage supply chain companies to contact us, uh, to come to the Saudi Maritime Congress, to approach us at some of the other world-class industry events that take place throughout the year and, and give us a chance. Come and get involved, is what I'd say. Let's go back to something you mentioned a little bit earlier on. You talked about the uh, Saudi Vision 2030 agenda, one of the planks of which quite clearly is to build up uh, job opportunities for Saudi uh, nationals. In tandem with that, of course, IMI is in need of being able to uh, access a talent pool of uh, local uh, young people to take on the jobs that inevitably will be created by this you know, this, this major development. You mentioned the Maritime Academy that uh, IMI is now developing. Tell us a little bit more about that and about what sort of impact it's likely to make in terms of numbers of jobs provided and the sorts of expertise that you'll be looking to develop. Yeah, I mean, the National Maritime Academy is a, is, is a brilliant it, it, it's a it's a brilliant development um, for the kingdom, and it and it and it's it really emphasises the foresight that that the kingdom has to develop an infrastructure to to breed technical workers from the local uh, talent pool. Because I think without that, you're not going to build a sustainable business. You know, you constantly would have to go out to the international market to bring workers into Saudi. Now, I'm not saying that isn't something that's required in those initial years because you you know i don't think imi or, or saudi arabia is naive enough to think they can build a brand new shipyard and just supplement workforce locally i think in the initial years we're going to have to bring in lots of talent from outside of saudi to get the wheels in motion up in Russell care but ultimately what we want to try and do is 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 take high school leavers put them into the academy maybe seven to 700 to 1,000 a year, put them through a two-year course, uh, kind of like an NVQ-style course where they would learn trades, technical trades within a shipyard. And then we bring them into the shipyard and immerse them into an operational shipyard so they get to learn um, intrinsically from the actual experienced workforce that we've, we've acquired from outside of Saudi. So that that kind of blended workforce will will bring up the capabilities of the of the Saudi nationals, and hopefully by 2030, the target is to have 70% Saudi nationals in our shipyard, and we could employ 20,000, 25,000 workers. But further afield, you know, the, the King Salman complex uh, will create about 80,000 
direct and indirect jobs. So it's really, uh, you know, a fantastic development. Um, and, and as you say, it, it very much aligns to Vision 2030, which essentially is about building new industry, creating jobs. And I think IMI and the King Salman Complex perfectly complements that Vision 2030. But again, I think, you know, I, I, I'm excited because, I mean, it starts with the youth of the country, you know, taking kids out of, of, of high school that perhaps maybe don't have the opportunity to go off to university or, or college and we can give them a, a vocation and we can develop them in, you know, shipyard skills. And then once we bring them into that shipyard, we have training plans to develop them further into more senior technical positions, maybe in engineering or management. You know, some of these uh, Saudi uh, nationals will, will have the opportunity to spend, hopefully, their lives in in shipbuilding. And all over the world, you hear of of stories of you know the guy that joined the company at eighteen as a welder, and now he's I don't know a director or a vice president, or he's the CEO of the company. I I, I would love nothing more than in thirty years' time for the CEO of IMI to be in. You know, a guy that's come through the academy and we've developed him as a welder and we've got him a degree and, and put him through management courses and, and he's made it right to the top. And that's that's really the theme of what we're trying to do here in, in IMI. Um, and it's, it's, it's really encouraging, exciting. And I, I really hope as well, Chris, that at the Saudi Maritime Congress or at future um, conferences, I'll, I'll introduce you to some of the these young Saudi apprentices um, because... You know they're really impressive people. They're they're very driven. They're very technical technical people, um, and they're very passionate about the industry even in these early days. So yeah, it's 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 a, it's an encouraging and exciting time, and it's probably it's probably the area within this business that gives me the most pleasure. Actually, it's it's seeing seeing some of the the, the, the sort of new to industry resources that are coming through and and how they're growing and developing and learning probably the most encouraging aspect of, of being part of this wonderful new project. Well said, Julian. I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, we look forward to meeting some of those young people when we when we come to the MAM for uh, SMC next year. Uh, one final question, because you've given us a lot of your time, for which many thanks. Um, looking ahead, you've talked about the opportunities and all of the great uh, and exciting factors that are already in place to make IMI a big success. What do you regard as the single biggest challenge facing the project in the short term? A good closing question, Chris. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, look, I, look, the obvious the obvious answer to that is obviously the, the uncertainty that we, we face with this whole coronavirus. But I think that's a, I think we should try and look beyond that. Um, I think the um, the challenge that IMI has is to essentially operate a brand new shipyard from scratch and try and bed in processes and systems, policies and procedures from largely an office-based business into an actual operational shipyard. You know, most people go into a shipyard and it's already been going for 50 or 60 or 70 years. Everything's in place. I think until you go into a live shipyard and you actually try and bed in the processes and systems you don't really know what you're going to get. And I think those first couple of years is going to be really interesting. It's going to be a real challenge to try and bed in basically brand new systems and policies and procedures. I think understanding how the cultures intertwine with each other, having four partners, 
the different zones, obviously the, the demands on us from our clients, Bahri and Arrow. So I think those first three years are going to be really tough. Um, I, I'm under no illusion that it's going to be easy at all. I think it's going to be tough to try and obviously make sure that we we start from a standing start and we we pick up momentum very quickly and we are able to operate a, a very efficient shipyard that's, that's essentially just an out-of-the-box shipyard. It's a blank sheet of paper. So I, I think those first two or three years is going to be really tough um, just to get everything bedded in and, and set up. Julian Panter, Business Development Vice President of IMI, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. No, thank you, Chris. And look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, hopefully get to see you soon. That brings us to the end of episode one of the Saudi Maritime Congress podcast, where you've been listening to IMI Vice President of Business Development, Julian Panter, and Sea Trade Chairman, Chris Heyman. If you'd like to find out more about IMI or the Saudi Maritime Congress, please head to SaudiMaritimeCongress.com where you'll find exclusive content, information about our partners and regular updates about the 2021 event. That's all for this episode, so thank you for listening and goodbye.